14, John chapter 14. I'm going to read our series text out of the book of John chapter 14 and verse 10. And Jesus speaks these words, John records them, and Jesus' words say this. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, Jesus says, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father. Lord, help me, Father, to decrease so that you would increase, Lord. Give me your words to speak, Father. Help me to speak them with love, but also with boldness and authority, Heavenly Father. I pray that you would, Lord, uh, change lives this evening, Lord, for we know that your words bring life. Lord, bring life to dead bones. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, for the backslider who is listening tonight, Lord, that, Father God, they would come back, Lord God, to your loving arms, Heavenly Father to receive, Lord God, forgiveness, Lord, and experience your love like never before. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the honor to be able to hear your words this evening. Help us, Lord God, not only to be hearers, but doers of your word. And in that, we will see your blessings. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. The church says, amen, amen. The red letters as we close out this evening. Out of the book of Matthew chapter 25, we will find our text for this evening. Matthew 25, beginning in verse number one. Jesus, once again, speaking here, and he says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. But only five of them were wise enough to fill their lamps with oil, while the other five were foolish and forgot. So, when the bridegroom was delayed, they laid down to rest until midnight, when they were roused by the shout, The bridegroom is coming! Come out and welcome him! All the girls jumped up and trimmed their lamps. Then the five who hadn't any oil begged the others to share with them, for their lamps were going out. But the others replied, We haven't enough. Go instead to the shops and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, the Bible says, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five returned, They stood outside calling, Sir, open the door for us. But he called back, Go away, it is too late. So stay awake and be prepared, Jesus says. For you do not know the date or moment of my return. Tonight, our discussion tonight is going to be about being ready. Being ready, God, God, uh, Jesus says, I need you to be ready because the hour and the moment is not known to anyone when I'm going to return for my bride. When I'm going to return for my church, no one knows. So because no one knows, you need to always 
be ready. I mean, no, you know, we've, been, we've encountered many situations in our lives where we had to be ready, haven't we? You know, we went through a pandemic just recently. You know, everyone had to be ready or you're going to be without. Did any of you experience those times of being without? Hopefully you weren't without toilet paper. <laughs> yes, that could be real. So I'm sure many through these through situations in your lives, you've learned, you've learned how to be ready. You've learned what it what it needs uh, what it needs from you in order to stay ready. You know now you have now you have thousand rolls of toilet paper in your garage. It's not getting me next time. You know I'm gonna stay ready. We do these things because we don't want to be caught off guard. Jesus is urging in his message here, in his illustration, as I titled this message tonight, Ready or Not, He Will Come. Ready or Not, He Will Come. See, the return of Jesus Christ for his church is not a matter of if, but when. Some may think, uh, you know what, I've been hearing that message for years now. Since I was a kid, I've been hearing Jesus is coming back. You know, I grew up in church. I've been hearing this message since I was a little guy. Be ready. Jesus is coming back. He's coming soon. Forty years have passed. And many can think, many can think, oh, you know what? Man, they've been preaching that message my entire life. I'm sure he's coming back, but not in my lifetime. See, and this is the trap that the enemy tries to get us to fall into. We may, although we may believe that he's coming back, we believe it's going to be at a later time. We believe that it's going to be in a, in, a different, uh, uh, in, in a different decade or so on and so forth. Because we've heard it over and over and over again. But the truth is, is that Jesus is coming back for his church. And another truth is, is that no man knows the hour. Jesus says, he says, I don't even know the hour. Only the Father knows. So because of that, because you know that it is going to happen, but you don't know when, you and I must stay ready. We need to. See, it doesn't take too long to get on our phones or watch some TV or maybe read the newspaper. If anyone gets the newspaper nowadays, I'm not sure if anyone does. But it doesn't take too long to see, uh, to see or hear about all the evil taking place in this world around us. It doesn't take long. You go on your phone and instantly you're hit with all these negative things that are taking place around us. And you begin to, you begin to think that, that there's no good taking place because all you ever read are bad things. And so the enemy tries to fill our minds, fill our minds with, 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 a, with, a, with the negative thoughts and see, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. 
See, there's no, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for them. Look at the world you live in. The world seems to be separating itself more and more from God each and every day. Living with no concern for the return of Jesus Christ. Many people are living life without having a real concern that one day Jesus is coming back. And it shows in the way they live. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he gave this illustration. He was, a, he was addressing the I have time mindset. Have any of you ever said those words? You don't need to raise your hand. I'll raise your hand for you or my hand for you. I have time. We've all said this before. We've all thought this before. I have time to do it later. That's a very interesting statement, the I have time statement. Because what that statement implies is that you and I somehow have control over time. Think about it. When you say I have time, you're implying that you can control whether or not you're going to have the time later on. But the truth is, is that you and I can control time as much as we can control the weather. You have no control over it. You have zero control over time. You don't, get the, you don't have the right, you and I don't have the right to say, I have time. Because it's not a true statement. See, it's very serious for us to understand this. To understand that Jesus is coming back, to understand that we don't know the time, and to understand the importance of staying ready in our lives. Which brings us to the first point this evening. My first point is this, we must hate to procrastinate. You and I must hate to procrastinate. I don't like using the word hate, but in this situation I will. Because procrastinating is, is, just does so much harm in our lives. It does no good. How many projects do you have sitting at home undone? Think about it. How many rooms are half painted? <laughs> I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you installed half of the flooring in your house and the other half is, is the old stuff. Maybe you plan to take care of this and this and this and you bought all the material and it's just sitting in your garage. Now I know I'm not the only one who's guilty of these things because it's awfully quiet in here. So I'm going to assume that quiet is guilt. <laughs> but we do this. We procrastinate. We put things off. We have that mindset that we have much time to work with. We know what the Bible says, that tomorrow is not promised. We don't know if we're going to have the next day to complete this or that. We cannot get into the habit of 
putting things off for tomorrow that can be done today. You can't get into that habit because it's a, it's a dangerous habit to get into. And you start, you, you put this off, and then you know what? It's easier now to put this off. And then you put that off for the, for, for the next day, and you put that off for the next week. And before you know it, you have a busy schedule for the rest of the year because you keep putting things off. And then you wonder why you're stressed out. You wonder why you're, you're, you're mad. You wonder why you're always causing arguments in your relationships. It could be because of this topic right here of procrastination. Jesus speaks in, in Mark chapter 13 and verse 33. And he says, be on guard, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all Stay awake. How can you and I stay ready? How is that possible in our lives? Our next point is this. Live wisely. Live wisely. This is, how, this is one of the areas where you and I can stay ready in our lives. Because that's a question that I'm sure many of you have asked in your life, because I know that I've asked these kind of questions. How do I stay ready? And I'm not sure if, if you are like me in the way that I think, but I, you know, but I like to, you know, maybe, maybe get a little deeper into, you know, why we do this or why we do that, how we can accomplish this, how we can accomplish that. Give me some practical ways that I can use in my life. So how can you and I stay ready? Number one is live wisely. Live wisely. Guard your heart. Be careful not to love, listen to me, be careful not to love the things of the world. You need to let that sink in. You and I need to take that one and, and you know, take it to heart. Do not love the things of the world. Instead, we need to love righteousness. Live to please God in your life. This is how you live wisely. You live to please God. You make decisions that pleases God. You say things that please God. You do things that please God. Telling someone off, you know it does not please God. Waving to someone with one finger when they cut you off is not pleasing God. <laughs> we need to live a life that pleases him. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Paul writes these words and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we urge you. 
to live in a way that pleases God. Verse 3 says, God's will is for you to be holy. Say that with me, holy. See, holy means to be set apart. God has called you to live a life that is set apart. From who? From the world. You're his child. And you are to live as a child of the Most High. You are not to live like a child of the world. You are not to think like a child of the world. God has called us to be holy. He has set you apart. Why? Because he just picked you out of the blue? No, because you said yes. Those who are watching this evening, all you have to do is say yes to God. That's it. And believe me, he's going to start to use your life in great and mighty ways like you've never thought you can be used before. We are to have a different perspective, a different mindset. Why? Because you know that God is working everything out for your good. Why? Because you love him and you are called according to his purpose. So you know that everything's working out for your good. So it doesn't matter what's taking place to your left or to your right or what's ahead of you. You know that everything is working out by God for your good. That's exciting. That's exciting. That's motivating. That gets me to want to do more for God. That gets me to want to to step out and do more because he's working things out for my good. We don't need to rely on the things of the world to bring us joy and fulfillment. You don't do that. Why? Because the, the things of the world cannot. They weren't, they weren't meant to bring those things in your life. We only get that through a relationship with God. And if you're missing that joy, you're missing that fulfillment this evening, how about you try Jesus Christ? Try Jesus Christ and see how he changes your life and see how he adds these things into your life. Ephesians 5, verse 15, Paul says these words, and he said, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, foolish living is living for self, but wise living is living for God. That's the difference there. That's what we need to understand. If you're, if you're living just for yourself, that's foolish living. Of, 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 of you know, I need, I need this and, 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 and I want to get this and, and that looks good. I, I'll take one of those. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to get that. Well, wise living is to live for God. God, what do you want for my life? God, I don't want to be out of your will. Have any of you ever prayed that? God, I do not want to be out of your will, Lord. 
So you, so you guide my steps. You guide my decision making. Because I don't want to be outside of your will. I've been outside before and I don't like it. I don't want to go back there. See, in our text, the Bible says that ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom, but only five of them were wise enough to fill their lamps with oil, while the other five, the Bible says, were foolish and forgot. We don't want to live a foolish life. Paul writes in Romans 14, verse 7, and he says, For we do not live for ourselves. He says, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. Mm, that's a good word. He says, we don't live for ourselves. He says, if we, if we have any breath in our lungs, it's to honor God. Because he gave us, he gave me that breath. He gave me this life. I don't know, I don't know if, if, if I'll see tomorrow, but I'm going to make the most of today. And I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to live life foolishly. I'm not going to live like the world saying of YOLO and just do whatever makes me feel good and whatever I want. I want to live for God. I'm going to live for God right now. Right now. I'm not going to wait for tomorrow. I'm going to do it now. See, in living for the Lord, you and I need to be mindful of our actions and our words. You and I must be wise stewards of the time that God has given to us. He entrusted us with it, so we are to be stewards. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2 says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Verse 4 says, But you are not in darkness. For, but you are not in darkness, brothers. For that day to surprise you for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or, or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but has destined us to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing. You see, church, no one knows the hour of, of his return, but it doesn't, it isn't like God wants to surprise us because he doesn't want us to go with him. That's not what's taking place here. God is not trying to catch someone off guard and say, oh, I got you. <laughs> you should have been ready. Tough luck. That's your fault. It's not what God does. That wasn't, that wasn't God's intentions. God says, I have given each of you each of you, the tools and the ability in order to be ready. And I have commanded you to be ready at all times. 
because I want you to be with me. I want, I want to have a relationship with you for eternity. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to catch you off guard. I don't want to surprise you. I want you to be alert. Which is our next point. Be alert. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, there's gonna, there's gonna be times in our lives when we're gonna feel tired. There's gonna be times in our lives where we feel exhausted. It's gonna happen. The Bible says that on the seventh day, even God rested. It didn't say he retired, it said he rested. You know, and, and although, although, you know, we, we as, as people, you know, we retire from, from, from certain duties in our lives, we can never, ever retire from serving God. What do I mean by that? We can never, ever retire from loving God. You don't retire from that. As a believer, you don't retire from loving others. You don't retire from serving. You don't retire from telling others about Christ. These are things that we always do to, the, to, the, to our very last breath. So although we retire from certain duties in our lives, which is a, which is a normal process, we don't ever retire from serving God. We don't ever retire from loving him with all of our hearts. We don't ever retire from putting him first. And that's in everything that we do, church. Everything that we do, we need to love God and put him first. See, but in life, you're going to experience times of being tired. Sometimes we can get so tired that moving forward just seems impossible, doesn't it? I have nothing left in me. How is this even going to happen? In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10, as they were building, rebuilding the wall, Nehemiah 4.10 says this, it says, Then the people of Judah begin to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. Remember when Paul talked about being sober-minded? I believe one of those things that will help us to be sober-minded, because we know, you know, as Christians, that, you know, we are not to, we are not to, to uh, uh, even as Paul says, um, you know, getting, getting drunk with alcohol, because we are not sober-minded. It has now altered your thinking. It has altered your behavior. We see this, we see this in the world around us, these sad effects that take place of the mind-altering but one of those other things I believe that can get us to not be sober-minded is to not have rest. You can get so busy in life that you forget to get some sleep. You forget to get some rest. I know this is a very different kind of message than you normally hear from, a, from, uh, from the pulpit. Getting some rest. Normally we say, work, work, work. <laughs> Don't go home. I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> Studies have shown that the lack of sleep can have similar effects as if you were actually intoxicated. The impairment of the mind, the impairment of judgment, of decision making. You and I both know that you know, when you're tired, you probably, get, you probably get easily angered. I know one of my sons, I won't mention which son because I have two sons. One of them gets really mad when he's tired. And we're like, dude, just get out of here. <laughs> get out of here, you grump. <laughs> I won't say who it is. But it does that to us when we're tired. We're, we're irritable. <laughs> Some of you may be thinking right now, you know, I'm kind of sleepy right now that you mentioned rest. <laughs> Don't fall asleep in church. <laughs> Stay awake. Why am I talking about this tonight? Why? Because this is very important for you and I to stay alert. If we are to stay alert, if we are to stay sober-minded, we need to make sure that we are getting good rest. See, God wants you to be well-rested. Not under-rested, not over-rested, well-rested. Don't run with it and say, Pastor said I need 12 hours of sleep. <laughs> no, I did not say that. We need to be well rested. I believe there's people in here today, tonight, where although we're not only are you lacking the quantity of sleep, but you're lacking the quality of sleep. And that's a real thing. Because I'm sure there's some in here, some maybe watching, and you have trouble sleeping at night. That's not, that's not what God wants you to experience. God wants to heal you. God wants to bring deliverance, amen? God wants you to have peaceful sleep, amen? He wants you to wake up refreshed. He wants you to, to wake up refreshed, giving him thanks and ready to take on the day ahead. That's how he wants you to live. He doesn't want you having to deal with all these sleep disorders. I remember as a kid not being able to sleep throughout the night. And I thank God now that God has given me peaceful sleep. Thank you, Jesus. My goodness, I can sleep anywhere. Give me a rock for a pillow. I'll sleep on it. <laughs> but I believe that was God's gift to me, <laughs> was some peaceful sleep uninterrupted and that's what God wants to give you tonight tonight when you go home amen I believe God is going to give you some quality rest tonight some quality rest I know some of you have been longing for that I know it some of you are just worn out you feel tired because you're not getting that quality rest God's going to give that to you tonight in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, he's going to break those strongholds of those, of those sleep disorders. And you're going, to, you're going to get some rest and you're going to be strengthened. Why? Because God needs you to be alert. Because God needs you to be strengthened. God needs you to be strong. Psalm 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Father, for your peace. Which brings us to our last point here, and it's beware of the land of comfort. Now, Pastor, you just talked about rest. <laughs> now, I'm very comfortable. Now you're saying beware of the land of comfort. Make up your mind. Rest is important. But remember I mentioned we need to be careful not to be over, over-rested. We need to be aware of the land of comfort. Going back to our text in Matthew 25 regarding the ten brides who went to meet the bridegroom. In verse 2 it says, But only five of them were wise enough to fill their lamps with oil, while the other five were foolish and forgot. Verse 7 says, Then the five who hadn't any oil begged the others to share with them, for their lamps were going out. But the others replied, We haven't enough. Go instead to the shops and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, the bridegroom, came, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. What happened? What happened to them? They got comfortable. They got comfortable. They took on that mindset like some of us think at times. I got time. It's all right. It's all right. They've been saying he's, that he's, he's going to come. They've been saying that for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years now. They've been saying that. You know, I can't live every day ready, can I? Is that even possible? They got comfortable. It wasn't that they didn't believe that he was coming back, but they got comfortable in the when. They got comfortable thinking that it wasn't going to be at a time when they were not ready. P.T. Barnum said this, that comfort is the enemy of progress. When we get comfortable in our lives, it keeps us from moving forward because who wants to step out of a, out of a comfort zone? <laughs> That's why they call it a comfort zone because it feels good. You don't want to get out of it. And so it keeps you and I there and it keeps us from from making progress in our lives at times. But I believe that it's in those times of discomfort in our lives that we see growth. I believe it. I know it. I know for a fact that it's in those times of discomfort in my own life that I have seen growth. It's in those times that God has has called me out of my comfort zone that I've gained more understanding. It's in those times that my faith has deepened. It's in those times that God has called me to step out of that comfort zone that I've seen God move like never before in my own life. It wasn't in those times of comfort 
It wasn't in those times where everything felt good. It was in those times where God called me out of it and said, no, I don't want you to get too comfortable in what you're doing right now. Not that what you're doing right now is bad, but I have called you to do something else. Every time that I speak to you guys, I am out of my comfort zone. But I've seen God do great things. He blows my mind how he uses our lives. It's unbelievable. I can't, I can't put any, any kind of logic, human logic to it. It's supernatural. Jesus speaks to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 as our worship team comes forward this evening. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus says these words and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's telling this to his disciples. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he, Jesus, was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here in scripture, the disciples witnessed Jesus ascend into heaven. The Bible says that as they were staring at the sky, as they saw Jesus ascend, that two angels came down, came down to the, to the, to the uh, uh, disciples, and they told them, why are you staring at heaven? Why are you looking at heaven? I believe what the angels were telling them was, you got work to do. You've got work to do. Don't be staring at heaven right now. You got things to do. God is calling you to reach out to those who don't know me. God is calling you to be a witness, just as Jesus just told them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to all earth. So the angels say, don't just be staring at heaven, get to work. Get to work. It's time to get to work. You've got your rest. You're of sober mind. You're ready. Now let's work. We got a lot to do, church. You and I, you and I, 
have a lot to do. But let me tell you right now, in Jesus' name, with God's help, we're going to be victorious. In everything that you do, you're going to be victorious. In every person that you tell about Jesus Christ, amen, you're going to see, you're going to see the fruit from those seeds that were planted in their life. I believe it in Jesus' name. You're going to see it take place. But it's time to get to work. It's time. The time is now. The time is not tomorrow. It's right now. It's right now. God is calling you to be ready. Right now. If you're watching, God is calling you to be ready right now. Right now. He's calling you. Wherever you're at, if you're in your home, if you're in your car, if you're at work and you're watching this, he's calling you to be ready. For the time is now. You and I can't say we have time because we do not. You don't have control of time. You can't say you have tomorrow because you don't know. But you do have right now. God is going to help you. God is going to help us to stay ready. Let's give God praise this evening. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of our praise, Father. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.